Okay, if you're just joining us, we are in part three of a message series called Different. We're looking at a letter that's called First Peter, and as we go along, we're trying to pull out a couple of the high points. And I want to know how many of you would be excited or whelmed or maybe even overwhelmed with anticipation if you realized that God was calling you to do something specifically. I wonder how many of you would, you know, throw your hand up in the air and say, I'm completely in. I want to know what God is calling me to do. And that's what we're going to look at today. How is God going to call you, set you apart to do something different? Now, when Peter sat down to write this letter, he had a very clear thought in his mind, and he repeated it repeatedly. He uses the same word or the same type of word so many times that it's really hard to miss. So I'm sure you've already been reading 1 Peter, but when you go and read through this letter, you're going to see that he uses the word call or calling or called over and over and over again. And when you recognize that you've been chosen or called to do something, it uh, builds anticipation, it, it emboldens you, it empowers you, kind of like that time when you were knighted with all the powers, rights, and responsibilities of being the second grade captain of the safety patrol. Do you remember that? You couldn't even believe it. That's right. When they put that sash on you and you picked up your clipboard, you were magically empowered to go out and bring safety to whoever, wherever they were. Without you, who knows what would have happened in that death trap of a school that you were in. Not just a member of the safety patrol, but the captain of the safety patrol. You watched halls differently now. You walked the halls differently now. Your eyes were scanning, always scanning, on the lookout for potential safety policy violations. Maybe, maybe you were even given your very own little badge that would signify to anybody that was looking on that you were indeed the captain of the safety patrol. You became an authority that others could turn to in times of need. Keep things safe, everybody, but don't worry, because I'm here for you. And in the event of a fire drill at the school, it might have been real, because you never know if it's a drill or if it's the real thing. The real thing. You would start to sweep the classrooms, and you check for stragglers underneath the desks, trapped in the bathrooms, and you turn off the lights and shut the door, proving that room had been secured and that the whole school was completely safe because there was a called, equipped, anointed, and appointed captain of the safety patrol. There is something about being assigned to something that just uh, creates a level of anticipation and it emboldens you. And did you know that you are called to something different? And when we talk about calling, a lot of times people wonder, what, what am I called to do? What's my point? What's my purpose? What does God want me to do? Am I like Jake or Elwood, the Blues Brothers, on a mission from God? I want to show you today three different kinds of calling. First of all, there's the eternal call to Christ. The Holy Spirit is doing a work today all over the world. Winning people, wooing people, drawing people, creating spiritual hunger for spiritual things because it's God's will. It's God's desire that no one should perish. God wants everyone to say yes 
to his extended invitation of grace through Jesus. Jesus invites everyone. He says, follow me. Come on. And when Peter writes about calling, he knew what it was like to be called by Jesus. Because if you know the story that Luke wrote about in his gospel, do you remember Luke? Luke, who wrote a gospel called, well, Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles. Luke, who thoroughly investigated all of the details, interviewed as many eyewitnesses as possible, that Luke, in chapter 5, he tells about a day when Peter was fishing, but he wasn't catching anything, and a rabbi walks up and says, throw the nets on the other side, and Peter's probably thinking, you know what, I'm a fisherman. You teach, I fish. But he did it anyway, and he caught such a miraculous load of fish that he recognized, hey, this is no ordinary man. This is a holy man. And so Peter falls down on his knees before Jesus and he says, get away from me. I am a sinful person. And Jesus said to Peter, hey, from now on, you'll no longer just fish for fish. Now you're going to be a fisher of men. Come, follow me. And Jesus called Peter out of where he was to become a follower of Jesus. And Peter knew clearly that we are called to leave our own desires and to devote our lives to follow Jesus. There is an eternal call to follow Christ. The second type of call is what a lot of people get excited about. This is the one that they're excited for. and This is deemed as the temporary call to an assignment. Maybe you were called to be the captain of the safety patrol. Maybe you were called to be a pastor. You might feel called to a particular role. You feel called to study something in university. You feel called to be a nurse. You feel called to be a teacher. You feel called to be a witness wherever you go. You feel called to go on a mission trip. You feel called to a certain part of the world to make a difference. This is a temporary call to an assignment. You may even feel called to ask that cute girl out. You know the one from the Zoom call? And if you're obedient to God, who knows how he might open up windows of spiritual blessing in your life. A temporary call to an assignment. What I want to talk about today is what many people will overlook. Uh, this is something our God is calling you to in your life if you're a follower of Christ. And that is third, a daily call to a different standard. Our God is calling you daily to live a different standard. And when we think of calling, we tend to think of the do. What am I called to do? But God starts with the who before he gets to the do. You understand this? Our God is more concerned with who you are before he's concerned with what you do. Because if the who's not right, well, then the do will never be right. God's concerned about motives and, and heart and integrity. He's concerned with the who of you before the do by you. And when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Peter was writing to a group, first century believers, that would have been tempted to forget who they were. They'd be tempted to forget who they were because they were so hated. And if you think that Christians are hated or mistreated in our part of the world today, it is nothing compared to the persecution that these first century believers were under. We talked a little bit about this in episode one, and we're going to talk about this even more in our final episode. 
In that predominantly Roman first century society, the average people just had, they had no idea who Jesus' followers really were. And their misunderstandings, well, they're almost comical to us today. So a very common idea that the skeptical world had about Jesus' followers is that they were superstitious, that they were incestuous, and that they were cannibals. True story, okay? They were superstitious, incestuous cannibals. Superstitious because of all the miracles. And, and, and so they must all be magicians, right? And Jesus, the leader, must be the chief magician. And they actually thought that Christians were incestuous because the Christians had these things called love feasts, right? Come to my agape feast, my love feast. And who do you think came to this feast? Well, they're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how weird it was. You're inviting your brothers and sisters to a love feast? Oh man, you guys are really, really weird. This is how misunderstood they were. It's also a great reminder to consider the language that you use to speak. It further displays that people will always fill in the unknowns with what they know. So then, then they thought the Christians were cannibals because of the famous line that their Savior said, take and eat my body, which is broken for you. So here we have a world that uh, hates Jesus' followers, wants them dead, completely misunderstands them. Before Peter tells them what they're called to do, he's going to remind them of who they actually are. And if you want to know what you're called to do, first start with an understanding of who you are. Maybe you have forgotten who you are too. And I want you to understand that, that you are exactly who Peter describes to these first century believers. Who are you? Well, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation, God's very own possession. And for those of you who are followers of Christ, understand this. You've been chosen by God to be in his family. You're a royal priest. And this would have meant so much to those first century Christians because they had tremendous respect for the priesthood. And now they're going to be called the priesthood of all believers, just like you. Meaning they actually are ministers of God, even though they haven't been formally trained, just like you. Even though they are not born into the tribe of Levi, just like you. They're filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. They're called to make a difference in this world, but they're not different alone. They're growing into one. They're different together. They're part of a holy nation, the upside-down kingdom of God. This world is not their home, but they are part of something broader, something bigger. They are people belonging to God. Their bodies are not their own. They've been purchased with the blood of Jesus. They belong to God. And since they belong to God, they're under his care, under his goodness. And that is who they are. That is who you are. Peter goes on to say, because you're a priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. So what did God do? God called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You've been called. We've been called. We've been chosen. We've been invited. We're no longer in the darkness. Now we're in the light. 
Our lives have been transformed. We are not what we were. We are a new creation. The old, the old is gone. The new has come. We have been and are being transformed by the love of Jesus, and we've been set apart and called. What I hope you'll understand today is when you know who you are, you will recognize what you're called to do. And the good news is that the skeptical world today doesn't like Christians. But it typically doesn't call us superstitious, incestuous cannibals, right? I mean, I can't tell you the last time anybody called me that. It's really a very rare accusation. But the bad news is there is a skeptical world today that looks at followers of Christ and calls us uh, self-righteous, judgmental, ignorant, intolerant bigots. And that is the world that we live in and what we have to wrestle with today. And tragically, tragically, there are some so-called Christians who have worked hard to earn those titles, right? You, you can just look at current events and, and you see what I would argue are demon-possessed people spewing hate and bigotry in the name of God, an affront to God, something that is unacceptable to the church and a sin against God. And you see this done all the time. And this is the image that we're up against. And Peter's going to say the same thing to those first century Christians, the same thing to us. This is your different daily calling to represent Jesus to a skeptical world. So here it is. If you want to know what you're called to do, 1 Peter 2, verse 11, Peter says, Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, remember, we see it again, right? This world is not your home. You're not from here. You just live here for right now. Therefore, follow a different standard. So he says, I warn you to keep away from worldly desires that wage war with your very souls. Verse 12, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. And notice Peter here, he doesn't say, uh, uh, first you need to convince them all to believe like you believe. What he says is we're going to show them how we believe. We're going to show them what we believe by how we behave. We're going to live honorably. And I believe with all my heart that today's culture, in today's culture, there are times that we need to start by professing the name of Jesus. But so often, we have to earn credibility by treating people with love, treating people with respect, treating people with grace before we earn the right to be heard. We need to show people what we believe by how we behave. And that builds a bridge across a skeptical people so that we can share with them the love of Jesus. So in other words, before I tell you what I believe, first, I want to show you love through how I live. And I believe as Christians, this is so important, especially today. Peter essentially has this uh, real confidence. Just, just live righteously, live boldly. And notice he isn't saying, you know what? And you should always be defensive. And come on, there's, there's always a time. There's, there's going to come a time to defend the gospel. But remember, remember what your coach used to tell you was the best defense? It was what? A good offense, right? 
And sometimes the best defense is actually a good offense to show the goodness of God preemptively in the way that we really are living. So for example, how many of you think that I ever get any criticism? Right? Anybody ever think I get criticized? You think anybody ever makes fun of our church at all? Have you ever heard me say, oh, please, please, please believe me. We're not a cult. I promise you, we're not a cult. I'm a really nice guy. And if you just knew me, you'd like me. Come on. Into one? Yeah, it's our name. But honestly, it's not as weird as you think. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. You're, you're, you're not going to see me, though, out trying to defend into one or its name, right? Explain or clarify, yes. But defend? No. Well, because I believe that the best offense is, generally speaking, going to be a good offense. And what I'm going to do as a leader of the church is instead of defending, defending, defending against critics, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to continue to say, this is who we are. And this is our mission. And this is what we're called to do. So rather than defending accusations, instead, we're just going to lead the way in connecting and partnering with other churches and other agencies. We're going to be about bringing people together, growing them into one. We're going to be about living lives defined by generosity in time, treasure, and talent because we truly believe it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We believe that our God is for us and we will live with an abundance mindset and not a scarcity mindset. And what we're going to do is recognize that we are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. The church, it doesn't exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world that the world may know that God loves them and that Jesus died for them. We're not going to be known as Jesus followers for what we're against. We're going to be known by who and what we stand for. We are for strong, healthy relationships. We are for families. We are for kindness. We are for Stouffville. And this will be the best offense, which is actually a really strong offense. So Peter says, live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. And then in verse 15, I think this is pretty helpful. Uh, Peter says, it's God's will. What's God's will for your life? Here's God's will. It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. It's the way you live. It's not, it's not just what you post on social media. It's the way you live that silences the talk of people who simply don't know any better. What's our strategy? Confidently, boldly share the love of Jesus. Love irrationally, give extravagantly, serve people faithfully, and do it again and again and again. And we're not going to reach everyone, but over time, with consistency and integrity, we will reach some if we live uprightly in a way that truly gets the attention of the world. He goes on to say, verse 21, do you want to know what you're called to do, right? Here's what you're called to do. For God called you to do good. That's your calling. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. Here's what I hope you all understand. There will be times when you do good and you suffer. There are Christians that Peter was writing to that would suffer in ways that go beyond our understanding in this western part of the world. 
You might not get that promotion because you're living boldly for Jesus. And you might not get invited to that party because you're living boldly for Jesus. The other students in your, your, your school might make fun of you because you're living boldly for Jesus. But you continue to live with the love of Jesus because it's the right thing to do. It's your calling. And you continue to do good. And he goes on to say that Jesus is your example and you must follow in his steps. So what, what is Jesus like? He is loving. He is patient. He is kind. He does not envy and he does not boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrong. He does not delight in evil. He rejoices in the truth. He's full of grace and he's full of truth. He is not arrogant. He is not condescending. He's not ever rude. He's not proud. He's not defensive. Who is Jesus? The sinless son of God who loves the unlovable, who shows grace to those who are offensive. And this is how Peter described him. And it kind of excites me, I'll be honest, to get to the, these kind of passages. I feel like the tempo and the intensity kicks up and I, I get excited. Listen as Peter describes his Savior, our Savior, starting at verse 22. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. Verse 23, he didn't retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Verse 24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. This is our Savior. This is our Lord. This is the Son of God. This is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. This is Jesus, the one who never ever sinned and never ever retaliated when somebody wronged him. And then Peter goes on and he shows how we're called to be different in a, way, in a way that you can't imagine. And let's be honest, okay? People who are not followers of Jesus, they can do good things every single day. And they do, right? I met some people, they don't like church, they don't believe in God, and they do amazing things. And, and you know, hats off to them, more power to them. But what Peter's talking about, this takes faithfulness. It's a long obedience, in the same direction. It's a whole different level of different. Because normal is, well, you, you may do something good to someone that you like, but when someone hurts you, normal is to hurt them back. When, when someone hates you, normal is to hate them back. When someone wrongs you, normal is to want to wrong them back. When someone is critical of you, Normal is to want to be critical right back. This is what Peter, who lived this out, after watching and learning from Jesus, this is what he says that you're called to do. You, you don't just have an eternal call to follow Christ. You don't just have a temporary call to an assignment. But, but listen to me. The other ones are based on this also. You have a daily call to live different. When, when you know who you are, you will know what to do. And I know there's somebody listening. Who's kidding who? There's a number of you. You've been wronged. You've been hurt. You've been offended. And you're about to see an opportunity that you have been called by God to respond in a different way. And this is what Peter says. 1 Peter 3, 9. What are you called to do? This is it. Don't repay evil for evil. 
Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, what do people who are in earnest pursuit of Jesus do? Repay them back with a blessing. Don't miss this, okay? Let it soak in. What are we called to do? We don't repay evil for evil. We don't retaliate with insults when people insult us. Instead, we pay that back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. So what are we called to do? When someone asks us to go a mile, Jesus says we go too. When someone asks for our shirts, we give them our jackets too. Whenever someone curses us, we bless them back. Whenever someone hates us, we pray for them. And we show love because we're called to something different. We're called. And if you're a follower of Christ and you know who you are, you are chosen by God, you're a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, you are a people belonging to God, therefore, you are on call to love when someone is in need. You're on call to give when someone has need. You're called to show love to someone who feels lonely. You're on call. You're on standby. You got a special hall pass to roam wherever you are, and that's called the living Word of God. And He tells you who you are. And He tells you what you're called to do. And He's telling you where you're called to go. And anytime the devil tells you, you can't, he says you're not important, he says you're not good enough, and you say, no, 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 no. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter says, right here, I've been chosen by God. He says right here that I am a royal priest. He says right here that I'm a holy nation, I'm part of that holy nation. I'm a person belonging to God and God put me on an assignment. I don't just have an assignment. This isn't just a temporary calling. I have a daily assignment to live different. And I daily let the light of Jesus shine through me. I daily delight in and display the love of God. And if I'm in the grocery store and somebody in front of me is a little short to pay for their groceries and I got an extra 20 bucks, guess what? I just entered the grocery ministry because I'm on call to meet a need. And if there's someone who's being bullied or there's a group of people being left out, guess what? I'm the on-call pastoral care, the on-site, on-call pastoral care. You are on-call to serve as needed. And we will choose to see interruption as opportunity. So that means, close your eyes just for a second. Hold them shut tight for a moment. Please, hold them closed just for a second. Okay, open them up. You are now living in the midst of one of the largest interruptions in at least 50 years. You are living in the middle of one of the largest opportunities in the last 50 years. Think of the COVID corona era differently than those around you. Think of it as a God-given opportunity to show kindness, care, peace, grace, and love. Show love. Love one another as Jesus has loved you. Live the new covenant command and give love to your neighbors. Give love to your co-workers. Give love to your family. Give love to your friends. Heavenly Father, please give us eyes to see the needs of people in this world. Give us a heart to care for those who are hurting. God, give us ears to hear those who need your love because we're on call. You don't have to look around to find someone else because we're here. 
right? We're expecting your call, God. We are living on call. Speak to us today that you might speak through us in the opportunities that you will present to us. We are royal priests in your holy nation. We will be a blessing to people. We will be a voice of encouragement. We will be positive presence. Wherever we go, we will not be messengers of gossip. We are excited to be messengers of hope. We build people up. We, contribute, we continue to show love. We've been called out of darkness into this wonderful light, and the light shines bright in a dark world. So shine through us, please. We're never afraid of the dark. We just shine into it. The darker it is, the brighter your light shines. Lord Jesus, shine this truth to each of my friends who are listening today. This is who we are. This is who you have called us to be. So Father, today we ask that you would empower your church to shine brightly into this world throughout this day, throughout this week, and then even way past that. To your glory. Thanks. In Jesus' name. Amen.